If you're joining us online this morning, God bless you. Thanks for joining us on our, our website or Facebook Live. Um, we're glad you're joining us today. If you're here live, take out the white bulletin insert that you got on the way in and just tear the perforation for me. We do a couple of things with this. The, the thin portion is a communication card. Uh, if we don't have your contact information and you'd like to give that to us, you'd like to get our weekly email bulletin, um, you can do that. Uh, or um, at the top of that sheet is a place for prayer requests. So if you have a prayer need, someone in your family or a good friend or you need prayer, we send this out to dozens of people in our church that just pray every week over and over for these needs. Our staff prays for them as well. As you exit today, if you take that little communication card, drop it in one of the boxes attached to the walls on your way out. Uh, we'll get that on the list. Let's pray together. God, thank you for every person that's here. They're not here by accident. And, and Lord, I, I pray that as the Holy Spirit continues to move among us this morning, Lord, that you would heal the sick, that you would bring light to those that are discouraged and depressed, that you'd bring strength to the weary and hope to the hopeless today. Lord, you know everything about us. You know what we're going through. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would touch us even now as we gather in the name of Christ. And Holy Spirit, open up the scriptures to us today. Teach us and lead us in truth today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you have a Bible this morning, please turn to the Gospel of John chapter 6. If you can find the New Testament, it's the fourth book of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, those four Gospels. John's the last Gospel. We're going to jump in there to, to um, chapter 6 in just a moment. If you are going through a really difficult time, if you're going through a hard time, it's a terrible feeling to be going through that and for people around you not to know or maybe not to care. We've all probably been in situations where we're, we're sort of privately bearing our pain or walking through a very difficult thing alone. When I was 15 years old, my, my mom and dad were going through a really rough patch and started talking about getting divorced. In fact, they brought my sister and I in and said it's, it's probably heading in that direction. I remember going to school. I had a basketball game the next day, and we were getting on the bus to, to go to my game, and I'm sitting on the bus going to wherever we were playing, and everyone around me was laughing and joking and having fun, and I'm, I'm just sitting there isolated in my own pain, in my own world. Nobody knew what was going on in my life. It's, not, it's, it's just a terrible feeling. A few years later, I was teaching at a Christian high school in California, and I was going through some, some medical tests for what was a pretty significant medical scare for me. And I hadn't told anybody because I didn't, I didn't, I wanted to wait till I got the results to, to ask them for prayer. So I'm sitting in this all-staff meeting, you know, but, but it was though I was all alone in that room. No, no one was aware of it. No one knew about my pain. It's almost like in those situations you want to stand up and say, hey guys, do you know that I'm going through a really hard time right now? Do you know that I'm really struggling right now? Do you know I'm really fearful right now about these medical tests that I'm going through? You know, people sit in church like you are right now every week with private pain. People don't know. People are sitting by you in the aisles or behind you or in front of you and they don't, they don't know what you're going through. And you're sitting there with with fear or anxiety or concern or pain or struggle or whatever it is, and you probably want to stand up and say, hey, folks, would you just pay attention? I'm, I'm really going through a hard time, and we, we live in this sort of private, isolated world. It's a terrible feeling when no one really knows about what you're going through. So, so how do we respond in those times? And where's God in all of this? Where, where is God? What is he thinking? What is he doing as we walk through life sometimes feeling like we're on our own? 
This is what I want you to walk away with and remember today. Jesus knows all our needs. Everyone. Jesus knows everything you're going through right now. And and the text that we're going to look at this morning in John 6, the, the miracle that Jesus performs, is going to address this, this issue. So the the miracle we're looking at today, remember John in his gospel calls miracles signs. He doesn't call them miracles, he calls them signs. Because signs point to something or signs reveal something. And and John says every miracle of Jesus reveals something about who he is. We can learn from the miracles about Christ and his plan for our lives. The the, the miracle we're going to look at today is when Jesus took five little loaves of bread and two little fish and multiplied them supernaturally to to feed thousands and thousands of people. Now, that miracle and the resurrection of Christ after he was crucified are the only two miracles in the the Gospels that are mentioned in all four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all mention the, the, the multiplication of the five loaves and two fish, and they all mention the resurrection. Why would that be the one miracle other than the resurrection that, that they all mention? Because it's important, and there's a lot that we learn from this miracle. So as we, as we transition from chapter 5 to chapter 6, a lot's changed. Chapter 5, we were in Jerusalem, specifically at the pool of Bethesda, remember where Jesus healed the paralyzed man. Well, several months have transpired. They, Jesus and his disciples are now way up north in the region of Galilee. We're going to throw a map up here to look at that. If you can see Jerusalem in Judea down there in the south of Israel, uh, and then the, the, the line with the arrow that goes up toward Galilee, up to Tiberias, that's on the western edge of the Sea of Galilee. It's in that area that we're, we're going to be talking about today. That, that distance between Jerusalem and the Sea of Galilee was about a three days journey on foot. It would have taken them about three days to get there on, on foot. We're going to pick it up this morning in John chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. After these things, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, or Tiberias. A large crowd followed him. Let me pause there for a moment. Jesus, throughout his ministry, had seasons. Scholars call this season, Jesus' season of popularity. He had been healing the sick. He'd been casting out demons. He'd been performing miracles. He'd been teaching with amazing teaching. People were in awe of him, and the crowds just built and built and built. When it says that the crowd followed him, we're talking about thousands and thousands of people during this season of popularity. That would all change in a moment, wouldn't it, when he was going to the cross and everybody abandoned him. But at this point, crowds are following him and surrounding him because they saw the signs that he was performing on those who were sick. Then Jesus went up to the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was near. Therefore Jesus, lifting up his eyes and seeing that a large crowd was coming to him, said to Philip, where are we to buy food that, so that these people may eat? This he was saying to test Philip because Jesus himself already knew what he was planning on doing. Philip answered and said, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, even if everyone just had a little bit. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there's a young boy here who has offered five barley loaves and two fish. Listen to what Andrew says. But but what is that for so many people? What is that for thousands of... How is that going to feed thousands of and thousands of people. 
Jesus said, have the people sit down. Now, there was much grass in the place. It was springtime. So the men sat down in number about 5,000. Now, scholars believe that that in this gathering, there was probably 20,000 people. When you throw in women and wives and children, that number quickly escalated to probably around 20,000 people. Jesus then took the loaves, and having given thanks to the Father, he distributed to those who were seated, likewise also of the fish. As much as they wanted, see the generosity of God, they ate until they were full and satisfied. There was plenty for all of the the people. And when they were filled, Jesus said to his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments so that nothing will be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves, and another version lets us know it was also the leftover fish, which were left over by those who had eaten. Therefore, when the people saw the sign which Jesus had performed, they said, this is truly the prophet who's come into the world. So Jesus, perceiving that they were intending to come and take him by force to make him king, withdrew again to the mountain by himself alone. John says these miracles of Christ are signs. They they reveal something. If you're taking notes this morning, I want to give you three things that this miracle reveals. The first thing is that it reveals the understanding of Jesus. It reveals the understanding or the knowledge of Jesus. See, Jesus sees you. Jesus sees you no matter where you are. Jesus sees you no matter what you're going through. Jesus knows everything about your life. Again, verses 3 through 5. Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples Possibly the the same mount on which Jesus preached the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount at at the Sea of Galilee. Could have been the very same hill that Jesus taught from. The Passover, the Feast of the Jews, was near, so Jesus, after raising his eyes and seeing that a large crowd was coming to him, said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people can eat? It says that, that Jesus sat down with his disciples uh, the, sitting down for, the, for a rabbi was the posture that he took when he was going to teach. The rabbi would sit down in a place of honor, and his disciples would surround him, probably sitting on the ground to, to honor him, and they, they would listen. Remember when, when Mary, the sister of Lazarus, was listening to the word of Jesus, she was sitting at his feet. That was how a rabbi taught. And so Jesus is about to teach. I'm sure he was consumed with what he was going to teach, like, like I get consumed or anybody that's going to teach up here gets consumed with the message and we're thinking about what we're going to say and how we're going to say it. I'm, I'm sure Jesus was thinking about the teaching. But Jesus wasn't so consumed with the teaching and what he was doing that he didn't see the people coming to him. Because it says Jesus lifted up his eyes. He lifted up his eyes and he saw the people coming and he knew exactly what their needs were. They were hungry. And so he asks Philip, where where are we going to get enough bread to feed all of these people? I, I wonder if we do the same thing Jesus did. I wonder if we lift our eyes up. I wonder when we're busy and when we're consumed and when we have a task at hand, if if we actually lift our eyes up to see what's happening with the people around us, like like Jesus did. See, no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, no matter what's going on in your life, Jesus sees and Jesus knows. So in Matthew chapter 6, verses 31 and 32, Jesus says this, don't don't worry about where your food's going to come from. 
Don't worry about what you're going to drink. Don't, don't worry about clothing. Don't, don't worry about, you know, the, the basic needs and essentials of life. For the Gentiles eagerly seek all of these things, and your heavenly Father, he knows what you need. Don't worry. He's aware of it. He's aware of the need before you are. He's aware of the need before it's even there. Don't, don't worry. Don't fret. God already knows what you need. So earlier in that chapter, when Jesus is teaching on prayer, in verse 8, he says this to the disciples. Don't be like them. He's speaking about the hypocrites. Don't be like them. Who, who, they, they pray with many words and they, they, all of this ostentatious behavior. Don't, don't be like that. He says, your father knows what you need when? Before you even ask. Because he knows what you need before there's a need. It's not even just when you pray. It's not like you have to pray to inform God that you have a need, right? Because he already knows. He knew you had a need before the need was even there. And so we keep, keep looking in Scripture here. David, in Psalm 139, talks about this knowledge or this understanding of God concerning his life. And he says to God, God, you know when I sit down and when I get up. You know all of my actions. You see everything. You understand my thought from, from far away. In other words, that David is saying, you, you know my thoughts before they even get here. Before I think a thought, you know that I'm going to think that thought before it comes. You scrutinize my path and, and, and my lying down, and you are acquainted, say, with all my ways. Say, with all my ways. You know it. You know everything I do. You see everywhere I go, every person I encounter, you know everything about my life. You're acquainted with all of my ways. Even before there's a word on my tongue, behold, Lord, you know it all. You know my thought before I think it. You know my word before I speak it. You know my need before it's even there. The Lord knows all of those things about our lives. What an incredible God. You know what's, what's, what's cool about that and what should give us incredible peace? is that God not only knows the need before it comes, that we don't have to inform God. He wants us to pray. He wants us to ask. He wants us to talk to him about the needs of our life. He, he encourages us to do that. But we're not informing God about what's happening in our lives. He already knows. In fact, he knew that before it got there. But not only did God know that that problem, that tragedy, that crisis, that pain was coming into your life, but he was already working on the solution before you knew you had a problem. Come on, someone. He was already working on the solution. He was already fixing the problem before you even knew there was a problem. So when you finally get around to encountering the problem, God's already on the solution side. So we need to be encouraged by the fact that God sees and God provides for those needs. But, but I, wonder if we're, I wonder if we're really like Christ in this area. I wonder if we actually lift up our eyes and see the needs of those around us. Dads, I wonder if we could get better at this. I wonder if we could get better when we bring work home from the office, and we're working and we're busy, or when our wife has a project for us that we're trying to get finished, or, or we're just watching the game. We're just locked in. We're in the zone watching the game. I, I wonder if as our kids are around us, if we, if we really see them. If we're really aware of what's 
going on in their lives? Do we, do we really lift our eyes? My wife, Charlene, and I have been watching this, this Netflix documentary on a uh, community college basketball team in Southern California, East L.A. College, and they've been walking through the 20, 2020 season, and the night before the first, first or second state playoff game, Coach brought his laptop home, and the, the coach is sitting home, and he's, he's one more opportunity to see a little more film about that team that we're playing tomorrow. There's, there's one more thing I might see, and he's sitting there, and his kids are all around him, and they're, they're talking to him, asking questions. He's like, yeah, 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 never looked at him. He's looking at the screen, looking at the film, yeah, 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 whatever. We can get better, dads. Like my kids, when I was little, if the Lakers were on, it, it was a problem, because I'm, I'm locked in, I'm in the zone with that. My kids would literally walk across the couch, grab my face, and turn it toward theirs. Say, Dad, I'm here. Truth? Truth. Because I just get so locked in. Students, I wonder when you go to school, if you're able to lift your eyes and see people around you. Or are you just consumed with you? Are you just consumed with your needs? Are you just consumed with what's going on in your life? Are you just con concerned with your problems and what you have to get done and your homework and, and all of the things? Or do you ever take a minute and look away from you and lift your eyes and look at the other kids around and ask the question, what's going on in their life? I know my pain, but what's the pain that they're going through? Jesus sees us. And Jesus knows. I wonder if you go to, when you go to work, if you could lift your eyes and see the people around you and actually care and actually inquire what's going on in their life. But the cool thing about Jesus is he, he, he not only understands, this, this miracle not only reveals the understanding of Jesus, but it reveals the power of Jesus, the incredible power of Christ in this story. See, Jesus not only has the ability to know what your need is, but he has the power to fix it, Amen. Your friends and your family, they might know what you're going through. They might feel bad for you. They, they might want to help you, but they may not be able to. But God can help you. His power can change your life. Verses 11 and 12. Jesus then took the loaves, and after he gave thanks to the Father, he distributed them to those who were sitting around, reclining. Likewise, also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, when they had had enough, everybody got enough, Jesus said to the disciples, gather up the leftover pieces so that nothing will be lost. So that nothing will be lost. I said before that it's estimated that there were about 20,000 people at this gathering. Men, women, children. 20,000. If you're watching online this morning and you're not... You don't live in Sioux Falls or South Dakota. You might not understand this, but for those of you that are here, how many of you have ever been to Howard Woodfield? Just lift your hand. Howard Woodfield, up in the northern part of the city. It has a seating capacity of 10,000. 10,000 maximum capacity. So put two Howard Woodfields right next to each other. 10,000 people, 10,000 people gathered for an event, and it's lunchtime, and people are hungry, and people need to eat. And you got this for 20,000 people. That's what happened in the story. Philip says, what, what are we going to do? Andrew says, I don't know. Let, let me check. He checks with the crowd. What do we got? Little man raises his hand. What do you got, little man? Not what I was thinking, but we'll work with that. We'll, it's a start. 
So the kid pulls out a Lunchable. So, so think about it with me logically for a minute. Two stadiums, 10,000 in each stadium. You start this in the front row and you pass it. Everybody's going to get some and you're going to feed 20,000 people. How many of you would even have started passing this down the row? It would have got to Neil Downey and he would have ate all of it, I, probably, I guarantee you. <laughs> he wouldn't have given any away, probably. Why not? Because we tend to see life through human limitation. We see life through natural boundaries. that We, we don't see how it could go beyond that. We see, our, we see our financial limitations. We see our physical limitations. We see our emotional limitations. We see our mental limitations. And we don't think anything can go beyond our, our limitations. Let me ask a question. What have you quit on? What have you given up on that any chance of change, any hope of change because of human limitations? You're, you're like Andrew. You say, Lord, I got this, but what is this for so many people? This is nothing. This doesn't make a dent. This isn't even going to help. How many of you quit on things? Because you only look at it through the lens of your human limitation. God doesn't see human limitation as a problem. He sees it as an opportunity. Come on, somebody. An opportunity to show his strength. An opportunity to show his power. An opportunity to glorify himself like Jesus did at the Sea of Galilee. But, but we see life through human Moses did the same thing. If you remember the story of Moses, Moses is in, in Egypt with the Israelites, and, and God delivers them from, from Pharaoh in Egypt. Remember, they cross the Red Sea. They step into the wilderness on their way to the Promised Land. Do you remember that story? They're, they're in the desert. God had to feed two million Jews every day for 40 years. They didn't plant crops in the desert. God had to supernaturally provide. So what did he provide? Do you remember? The, this bread-like substance from heaven he gave them every day. What was it called? Manna. God provided manna every day, and it wasn't good enough because they started saying, you know, when we were in Egypt, we had seasoned food. We had onions and locks and bagels and everything else in Egypt. We had meat to eat in Egypt. What do we have here? Manna. We're tired of it. God said, okay, I'll give you meat. I'll give you quail. And Moses says, okay, hold on. Two million of us. I've seen a couple birds fly by here in the desert. You're, you're going to feed all of us. How? Where are these birds going to come from? In fact, Moses jokes with God. And he says to God, God, if you, if you pulled all of the fish out of the sea, it wouldn't be enough to feed us. So what was God's response? Dude, you're right. Like, once again, I've overpromised and underdelivered. Why didn't I think that I wasn't going to be able to feed them with birds? No, here's what God said to Moses, Numbers 11. The Lord said to Moses, is the Lord's power limited? Now you shall see whether my word will come true or not. And God provided about four feet from the ground of birds. How? I don't know. 
But Moses had his little box that he said, well, God, probably within this natural understanding, because I'm a realist. We take pride in being realists, don't we? You know what realists are? They're people that don't have faith. I'm a realist. I go by what I see, what I feel, what's there. It's okay to be realistic about things in life, but don't let it hinder your faith. See, see our, our human limitations create boundaries in our lives. We say, these are the outskirts. Everything in here can happen, but nothing can happen outside of that. Guess where God lives? Outside of our boundaries. That's where he lives. Outside of the realm of human limitation. And God sees these opportunities as chances to reveal his glory, to make his name famous among people. Here's what Paul said about God. He says, now to him, to God, who is able to do far more abundantly beyond anything we could ask or think. To God, who is able to do more than what's in our box. We think, okay, God, this is probably what you could do. No more, no less. And Paul says, God's able to do stuff out here. What have you quit on? Because of human limitations. Physical, emotional, financial what if you said, God, I just, don't, I just don't see how you could do anything outside of this? Here's what he says. Put that back up there. God is able to do far more abundantly all, beyond all we could ask or think according to the power that, that's somewhere out in the universe. The, the power that, 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 that's at work in, in really mature Christians like pastors. What does it say? Power that works in you, in the church. In every Christ follower, the Holy Spirit lives. God is able to do far more than you can ask or imagine through the power of the Holy Spirit that works through. Not your resources, not your limitations, but God's limitless power that he can work in our lives. Amen? There, there's, a, there's another element in this story that we don't consider. And it's, it's the, the response of the people to the miracle. So when, when Jesus does this miracle, it says that they, they came and they wanted to make him a king. Well, let's look at the text. Therefore, when the people saw the sign which he had performed, they said, this is truly the prophet who is to come into the world. So Jesus, aware that they intended to come and take him by force to make him king, he split. I mean, he boogied. He was out of there. Because he didn't come to be a king. Because... Because they're saying, oh, finally, we've got the military leader. I mean, this dude just, just did something no one could do. So this guy must be the prophet that's going to pull down Rome. This must be the guy that's going to overturn the Roman Empire. This must be the guy that puts us back in charge. Do you know what they're saying? They're saying, Jesus, we want to make you king. We want you to walk into Jerusalem with us. And we want you to, to remove all of the inconveniences and social and political burdens that we face because of the government. We want you to make our life easier. Ever feel like that? God, just make my life. I thought that's what I signed up when I be, for when I became a Christian. I thought you were going to make my life easier, right? We just, we just want Jesus to, to remove the social and political burdens in our lives that afflict us and make life hard. We say things like, Lord, just, just lower the wall that I have to get over. Lord, just shorten the race that I have to run. 
Just make my life easier, God. And you know what God does in response to that? He gives us bread. He gives us bread. What's the significance of bread? Well, bread is mainly carbohydrates. Carbohydrates are the the greatest source of energy or fuel for the human body. Because the human body turns carbohydrates into sugars. Sugar is the greatest source of energy. That's why if you're going to run a race, if you're going to have a a training competition or exert a lot of energy, they, they say, do a carb load. Load up on carbohydrates. Get your body full of carbohydrates because those are going to be changed into sugars that are going to give you the energy and the fuel to accomplish what you need to accomplish. They say, Lord, make the wall lower. And he says, no, I'm going to give you power to get over the wall. We say, Lord, make the race shorter. He says, no, I'm going to give you the strength that you need to finish your race. Lord, just just make our life easier. It's so hard. He says, no, I'm going to give you the power to have victory over your circumstances. He doesn't lower the wall. He doesn't shorten the race. And he doesn't make life easier. He gives us bread. He gives us the fuel and the energy that we need to accomplish his purpose in life. So what happens to carbohydrates that get converted to sugars if we don't exercise? Turns into fat, right? And you know what? There's a lot of spiritually fat Christians. A lot of Christians with a lot of intake, but not much outgo. Great sermon, Pastor. Feed me. I love the word. I love the word. Feed me, Pastor. You better be better next week. I love the word. I want to go to Bible study this week and just feed, feed, feed. Give me the bread of life. And then they do nothing. (laughs) Fat. Just, Just give me more, 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 more. Oh, Pastor, I, I got to let you know the sermon. Fed me. I left that church because I wanted to be fed. Feed, 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 feed me. And then you do nothing with it. Never God's intention. Just turns into fat. This miracle teaches us not only about the understanding of Jesus and not just the power of Jesus, but the expectation of Jesus the expectation of Christ in, in performing this miracle. What was his expectation? Jesus actually expected the disciples to do something in response to the miracle. Let's read the text. When, when they had eaten their fill, he said to the disciples, gather up the leftover pieces so that nothing will be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with pieces from the five barley loaves. Mark tells us it was also the fish which were left over by those who had eaten. Twelve baskets full. (laughs) 
20,000 people ate everything they wanted, more than enough, and there were 12 baskets left over. How many disciples were there? How many? How many baskets? 12. Every disciple, every apostle of Jesus got a basket. Why? They got a basket of all of the leftover parts. They had had eaten, and they were full. And Jesus said, I want you to take all the leftover bread, and I want you to take all the leftover food, and I want you to feed a hungry world. He says, I want you to take the physical resources I've given you, because everything you have comes from me, amen? And I want you to take the spiritual food that you've received from me, and I want you to feed the world. I want you to walk through the dusty roads of your life. And I want want you to find people that have never experienced the miracle of the multiplication of bread, have never experienced the wonder of his grace. And I want you to walk up to them, and I want you to say, I've tasted of the Lord's bread, and it's good. Why don't you have some? He wanted them to walk with their baskets. And he wanted him to say, hey, God has changed my life. And what God has done in my life, he'll do for yours. Here you go. I've never been so satisfied in my life. Man, I ate all the fish. I ate all the bread that I wanted. And and this Jesus is so generous. He'll feed you. He has an unlimited supply of grace. It's yours. And so we walk through life having experienced the miracle of Christ, just emptying our basket. Come on, somebody. Hey, boy, Sean, nice work. And you come every week, whether you know it or not, with one of these. And you sit here and you you see the miracle of Christ. And he feeds you, man. He fills your soul to overflowing. And then you walk out of here with a basket. And what do you do with it? Do you stick it on your refrigerator? Do you stick it on a shelf at home? No. God wants you to empty the basket every week that you're filled. He wants you to serve him. He wants you to serve him in the church and outside of the church. What are you doing to serve the Lord? Like, we're having a meeting tonight at 6 o'clock here at the church to talk about ministry at our downtown campus, and we're, we're hoping for 100 people to join us downtown. Why don't you come tonight, see what it's about? Maybe give your life away down there. Maybe serve our children's ministry. Maybe serve our student ministry. Maybe be an usher, a greeter, first impressions. Maybe make coffee. What are you going to do to serve, to give away what you've received, to touch people's lives? And then once you've been fed here and once you've served here, get out in the world. You have a relational world that Jesus wants you to share the food that you've received with. What's your decision? Would you stand with me this morning? What an incredible miracle. God's ability to meet the need of 20,000 people with a Lunchable. God's ability to meet the needs of everyone in the world through Jesus Christ. 
And you have a basket that you can offer people that don't know him to taste of the bread of life that he provides. Will you do it? Will you burn the carbs that he's given to sustain you? Or will you sit on your lounge at home? <laughs> come on, church, come on. We got to get busy. Days are short. Let's pray. Lord, we love you this morning. We thank you for this story. We thank you that you see us no matter where we are, that, that you have power to meet our needs. God, you, you have worked a miracle in our lives. We pray, God, with full baskets we would go and feed the hungry, physically and spiritually. Help us to lift our eyes this week, Lord, and see the multitudes that are starving, that need the bread of life. Help us to give our lives away in Jesus' name. go forth, you will empty your basket. You'll, you'll give away the bread to people that are hungry. And may you realize that no matter where you are or what you're going through, Jesus sees you and he knows your need. May the power of Jesus Christ lift you over your wall and help you finish your race. And may you go into all the world and share the bread of life with a starving world. God bless you today. Have a good day.